All right. Did something a little different with the handout. Had blanks. Not sure if you like it. But we'll go through the blanks and make sure you got them. The first blank, some of you may not have even noticed, the third part of the gospel prayer. Uh, it says, there's nothing I have done that could make you love me less and nothing I could do that would make you love me more. It says, you are all I need for everlasting joy. But then it's missing the third part of the prayer. Does anyone know what to put in that spot? As you have been to me, so I will be to others. As you have been to me, so I will be to others. Last week we talked about it in terms of uh, peacemaking, that sort of thing. But today we talked about it in terms of our resources. Okay? In terms of our resources. So, he talked about there are two primary errors when you talk about extravagant generosity. When you talk about how you should give to God. Does anyone remember either of the two primary errors? Yes. Um, some people think of it as just giving a minimum of the 10%. That's A, yes. yes. Give a tithe. Right, go ahead, sorry. The others um, give an excess. Too much. They look at it as if they're in God only. Or give all to the poor. Yes, give everything. Right. Yes. Uh, so someone is an overachiever, wants to get the A. Good job. You get an A today. Uh, both of the primary errors. I was just going for one, but she gave both. Uh, number one, give a tithe. And he said the mentality with this is you give your 10% and then you can do whatever you want with your 90. Like that's yours. God can't touch that. You know, you gave him your 10%. You move on. And he said the, prim the primary issue with that is the motivation is money. You're like, well, hey, I'll be blessed more, and so that's why I'm giving. And it's not dealing with your heart, and you're not dealing generously with others. The second thing, give all to the poor. He named four issues with, the, with this. And so we have a spot for those four issues on our page right here. Those of you who took notes know what those four issues are already. Uh, but the first of the four issues, does anyone... Does anyone know what the first of the four issues? Does anyone else want an A? Or are we just giving it to Beck today? She gets the A. Beck gets the A. No one else wants an A? Well, <laughs> what's that? Oh, he, he knows them. He's, he's trying to you know, help others participate. All right. The first issue is there's no practical end. Uh, he gave the example of... If you were in a war, you would melt down your spoons to make bullets to defend your children. He said, yet everyone who says, give everything, live as minimalistically as possible, he said, they almost all have spoons. He said, do they really not love? Do they really not believe the doctrine they're touting? Well, there's no practical end to this. Like you, you, yeah, there's just no practical end. I, I couldn't say it any better than he did, so I'll leave it at that. Okay. The second issue. Does anyone know that one? <laughs> the second issue is this model presupposes that God needs us. And he says in the book, God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He doesn't just own the cattle of a thousand hills. He owns the actual hills that they're on. Uh, when he used the example of 
he had Cyrus pay for the rebuilding of Jerusalem. Uh, those of you who are familiar with the psalm where it says the, the stream goes one way or another, but that's how God can direct the heart of those who are leading. Like, we tend to think in general that things are reliant on us. We take faith in our own abilities. But with extravagant generosity, um, like, God doesn't need our stuff because he needs the resources. It's not like God is the church who's barely making his payments and, oh my goodness, what is he going to do? The building's being foreclosed on. What is God going to do? No, God doesn't need our money as much as he needs our hearts to reflect him. Okay. Uh, Does anyone know number three? Miss Anita, do you know number three? Okay, it's spiritualized compulsory giving. It causes you to give from guilt. If it's give all to the poor, are you really dealing with the heart if you're just doing it out of compulsion? Or are you just modifying behavior? I think we talked about this several weeks ago where we, where we talked about the authority figure that his kids feared him. And so they acted correctly because they feared him, but there was no actual heart change that had occurred. Okay. And so this is the spiritualized compulsory giving that we talked about. If you just have to give it all to the poor, it's not, you know, it's not that. And then the fourth one, which to me is the most important one. Does anyone want to give the most important one to get an A? Anyone? Anyone? He does. And it's out of sync with the rest of scripture is what he said. It's out of sync. When we start looking at categories of scripture as different than others, we're losing the gospel. The gospel requires us to give everything to God, but not to do so out of, out of misery or fear, but to joyfully live our lives for him. And that also includes with our money, our extravagant generosity, as the chapter is called. Not just because he makes us and mandates us. We like rules. Some of us like rules. Others of us aren't as big a fans of rules. My, My wife and I have this conversation frequently where she's like, well, you just don't like rules. I'm like, no, no, I follow the rules. She's like, yeah, but you never follow the spirit of the rules. I'm like, yeah, but... Do I have to? Like, that's, you know, when we're talking about, like, for example, the seatbelt law. I follow that rule to the letter of the law every time I sit in a car. Every time I follow the seatbelt law. And my wife says, but you're not doing it the way they want you to. I said, but that's not required. This isn't a moral issue. In fact, I've made the argument that seatbelts actually don't make you safer, but that's a discussion for a different class. Uh, but I follow the letter of the law, okay? And so she says, I don't like rules. I, I like them fine. I follow them. I just, you know, follow them the way I want to follow them. But God is not giving us rules in this regard. He's not setting up, you have to. And he gives the example of in Luke. He says, in one spot, a tithe is great. Another spot, you need to give everything. Another spot, someone gave 50%, and that was awesome. It's like, well, which one is it? 
Because in all the cases, it wasn't the amount that made it sufficient. It was the heart. And so when we're giving, it is the heart with which we give. I love the example he gave at the end. I know I'm skipping the generosity matrix for now. But when he said, when you get money, when you get an unexpected gift, when the government says we're going to give you a check for X number of dollars, what is your first thought? Pastor Travis will tell you about some people who came to him and said, I'd like to minister to someone with this money. And they did. I know other people are like, now I guess I'm going to eat better for the next month, you know. But God does glory in a steak. That was mentioned. I, I like that. Uh, but, but what is the first thing you think of when you get an unexpected sum? When you are looking to fund things, what are, what are the things you're looking to fund? And this, to me, that is the concept that overrides everything else. Where your treasure is, there will, there will your heart be also. I've read that somewhere. And what that's saying is, like, what am I valuing? And that's it. So the generosity matrix. He says, you hold these six things in tension. I'm going to go through them. And then I'll see if you guys had any thoughts other than the guy who read it was terrible. All right. Which Miss Barbara agrees with me on. So no, uh, no, 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 no. He's terrible. All right. Number one. Uh, I, I know I say numbers in their letters here. Someone, I don't know who made this. It's terrible. Number, number one, A, God gives excess to some so that they can share with those who have less. Gives excess to some so they can share with those who have less. That's generosity matrix A. B is Jesus' radical generosity toward us serves as a model for our radical generosity. And I will stop because that was a lengthy thing to say. So some of you may still be writing it down. But Jesus' radical generosity toward us is a model for our radical generosity. So how can we be extravagantly generous? By modeling what Jesus did. He said he, said he didn't tithe his blood. He gave it all. He, he gave his life. Okay. Number three, or C, sorry, C. Uh, this, is, this is the one that he said we Baptists struggle with to some degree. The Holy Spirit guides us as to which sacrifices we personally are to make. I, I don't know about you. I've, there are so many good causes out there. We, we did the baby bottle campaign. I was excited to give to that. And then we, we have people who are fighting. We signed a petition recently to to pass laws for that. And we're excited to give to that. We are giving food to the homeless down the street. We, there are so many good causes that we could give to. So many good things we can participate in. Uh, we, we have people who are giving school supplies to, to people who can't afford it. Like, these are all good things. And I don't know about you, but I see them and I'm like, I can't possibly keep up with all this. I can't possibly do this. Uh, and so that's why we need the Holy Spirit to guide us. His guidance tells us what are the things that we particularly must participate in. All of those are good ministries. We want all of them to succeed. We can't participate fully in all of them. We have human limitations. I mean, I know Pastor Travis has like 80 hours in his day because he wakes up at 2 a.m. But <laughs> nevertheless, not all of us can do that. All right. Uh, D, not which is the fourth one, D. Uh, 
Uh, God delights in our enjoyment of his material gifts. God delights in our enjoyment. 1 Corinthians 10, 31 says, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Everything we do should be to the glory of God. Something as simple as eating and drinking. I want to be around the person who is enjoying every step of life. I don't want to be with the guy who is like Schindler in the movie he quoted, which I remember it more from Seinfeld, but that's another story, where he says, this watch, this watch could have saved two more people. This could, and this is a guy who saved hundreds of people. Maybe more. I, I, I never saw the movie. Uh, but he saved a lot of people. And he's like, hey, if I would have done this, I could have saved more. But there is a delight. The example of washing the feet, the example of using the good wine at the end of the feast, all of these things, Jesus showed delight in enjoying some of the finer things in creation. E, or number five, if you like numbers, God, not money, should be our primary source of beauty and security. And he used the example of many save up for a rainy day. So they, they, you know, they're squirreling away their money. And others spend frivolously to acquire the most up-to-date status symbol. If you're squirreling money away, money is your primary source of security. It shouldn't be. It should be God. If you're in the latter, your primary source of beauty comes from money. Again, shouldn't be. should be God. That doesn't mean we can't have nice things. And that doesn't mean we can't save. We should participate in both of those. To what degree? Let's go back to C. The Holy Spirit will guide you in yours. Your spending may not look exactly like mine. Most of you probably spend less on food than I do, but that's another story. All right. And F, or number six, if you prefer, wealth building can be wise. Wealth building can be wise. All right. Does anyone have any comments other than the reader really needs to be replaced, as Miss Barbara and I asserted? I thought you were much better. (laughs) (laughs) Does anybody have any thoughts? What I appreciated about this chapter is how he brought up type A's and how they want to know, is it 10%? Is it 50%? Is it? And then he gave us the generosity matrix. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's. Yeah, you can fill out your own generosity matrix. Yeah, I, like I told the rule about seatbelts. I follow that rule to the letter every time without fail. But I'm not following the spirit of it. Now, again, I argue it's not a moral issue. I don't think that's a big deal. But if my giving mirrored the way I tend to follow rules, which is find out the, the loophole or the, or the whatever to follow the rule, that, if that's how we were giving our 10%, or if that's how we're giving everything we have, that's not dealing with the heart, which is what God wants. God wants us to be extravagantly generous, not to fulfill some number, because he doesn't need our stuff. But he wants us to be extravagantly generous, because that shows our heart is like his. All right, join me in prayer. Dear God, we thank you so much that you have been extravagantly generous with us. We pray that as you have been to us, so we will be with others, and that you would cause us to be extravagantly generous in all our dealings. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.